from the cannons. When the smoke clears, we're still standing. If you stand our ground, you're listening to Everlasting Veteran. Welcome, everybody, to Everlasting Veteran. I am your host, Ryan Landry. I am joined today with Rob Garcia, the warrior strategist. He is an expert in visibility and helping his clients out, and he is partnered with me to push Everlasting Veteran out there, and I'm glad that he's on today because we're going to be able to get a little bit of knowledge of what he does, how he helps his clients, and if you're looking to be an entrepreneur and push your business to the next level, he is the guy to get in contact with and he will help you get to the next level welcome rob thank you for coming on to the show all right thanks so much for having me ryan wow what an intro i hope i can live up to the hype dude (laughs) (laughs) i try i try my best man you know you're air force veteran you're still in the air force you know you're working with uh brett davis out in san diego california he's awesome brett davis podcast i was just on there and some of the stuff that you do with your clients is absolutely amazing i mean behind the scenes work and structure and what you bring to the table for people is unparalleled it really is because people don't see the behind the scenes and what it what needs to happen when you're building your business and especially with visibility nobody even thinks about it Thanks, man. I'm, I'm really, you know, it's a work in progress and it's been uh, about a six year process from when I uh, went into the entrepreneurial field. And believe it or not, like a lot of people, I, I just, I knew I wanted to work for myself, but I didn't know like what direction I was going to go. And it all led to visibility, all these things uh, together. And it, um, as I, as I kept at it, it just started getting better results for clients, and I started really loving what I do, man. And it's been it's been cool working with you and with Brett, and and um, just seeing the growth of everybody around me. Because that's what that's what you're all about. That's what Everlasting Veteran is all about. Is about raising the team up, you know, about lifting other people, about showing them, hey, these guys can do it. So can I, you know, being that motivating force, especially veterans that are out of service, mm-hmm. kind of aren't on a team anymore. They don't feel that that sense of camaraderie. You know, they can turn to us and they can say, hey, what can I do better? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. We talked uh, months ago when I first made contact with you about the transition, you know, and that really is kind of the the growth, the starting point of the growth when you get out of the military. And that's why it's so important, that foundation that you leave uh, when you get out of the military and why it needs to have an overhaul and be more self-aware about it when you're getting out because it's not talked about as much. Yeah, it was, you've opened my eyes about a lot of the transitional stuff, man, because my own experiences, uh, for those that don't know, so I did uh, five years active duty Air Force, I was a B-52 technician, um, offensive avionics, I finished my degree, I, you know, secret clearance, the whole night, I was, I was good to go, I should have, by, by any accounts and purposes, I should have had a great job waiting for me in San Diego, uh, that was not the case, so I ended up, uh, transition assistant showed me how to make a resume, and this was 2002, Um, and that's all they did. And so I didn't get a list of employers. I didn't get a list of, um, transferable positions or jobs that my AFSC would probably, you know, mix well with. Um, I didn't get anything except resume help. And I ended up my friend's couch and my first job tow truck driver. And so I did that for about three months. And it's kind of like when I hear the Marines that are, you know, infantry getting out and then, uh, they're just doing like security at a Walmart. 
because they can't find anything better, they haven't really like made that action plan. And so that's why I hope you and I, you know, our efforts can kind of show people what's out there and what's available. Um, so through a series of, of um, kind of weird missteps, very forced gumpish life, um, I did a lot of different things. I ended up teaching high school for about five years. Um, they wrote me an emergency credential and I, I taught engineering for a while. I was a business professor and then um, a technical writer for 10 years. And what's real crazy, Ryan, is that the tech writing background actually helps me with what I do now with visibility when I've got clients that are super high end um, and need the language change to their audience. So it all it all worked out, man, but it's been a weird, uh, fortuitous path. Right. Yeah. And, and that's one thing I, I find talking with many veterans is the transition to actually land your feet on the ground and be like, okay, I'm, I'm good, takes too long. You know, and that's what that's what with everlasting veteran and talking with other veterans and their experiences and talking with the the VA or other jobs. We have electric boat here that hires a lot of veterans. You know, I talked to one veteran. You know, he's a master sergeant in the Marines, and you know he he gets out, and they're like, "Oh man, we got you a job." And he was like, "Oh man, that was quick." He's like, "Yeah, day shift shift supervisor, Dunkin' Donuts," and it's like. What? <laughs> you know, I mean, granted, those jobs need to exist, but at the same time, like, they're not coming out with, you know, comparable level leadership skilled jobs for the veteran, you know, because for, unfortunately, the DD 214 is unreadable. It's a foreign language to the civilian sector, unless they were in the military or worked in some government capacity, uh, DOD, uh, GS jobs, and so forth. And I think that's where I think that's where the major overhaul needs to happen because if they have a piece of paper, you know, your DD two fourteen is essentially your resume from when you're in service, you know. And if you have one that you know is more civilian readable uh, in plain English of your schools and what your schools you know, mean and the value to them, it would put a better value on veterans coming out of the military. And I think they'd be able to be received a little bit better. I think that's a great point. Um, because, you know, you and I talk about the, the problems with career transition and the transitional programs, but you know, what are we going to do about solutions? And you and I co-wrote an article together that really like delved deep into it. So here's some of the things that we came up with for those that didn't read the article. Um, yeah. The first thing is the translation of the language. Exactly. Like you, you need to have um, a, a civilian equivalent resume, you know, from your DD-214. Spend a little time thinking about that or having a specialist do that for you. The next thing is they need to staff career transition with experienced people in HR in the sense that I don't want some E4 that's never worked a corporate job giving me career advice when I'm leaving the military after 20 years. They have zero experience. All they know is some articles they read on LinkedIn, right? right? That's not the person that you want staffing this, this, this um, section. And so the next thing is we need right. an overall overhaul as to how we're presenting the job market. Nobody ever told me about tech writing. I found it by accident somewhere, and some crusty marine that, that owned some electronics company was was uh, had a job. And I went in there, and and I he liked me immediately, and I offered to work for him free for three days just to feel each other out. And that's how he knew I was serious. 
he brought me in and it, it went really well. It was a great job. Um, but the point is, I, a lot of veterans don't know about technical writing until they meet a technical writer. And, and so the military needs a better overall right. in their career transition offices. Like, hey, these are some of the jobs out there. These are jobs that match with your AFSC or MOS or rate. Um, they, they need a, a variety so they know what has happened in the job market. For example, because of COVID, we have a bajillion remote jobs out there now. We don't no longer have to like work in an office in our, even our hometown. So why why aren't we you know why right. aren't we thinking big enough to apply outside of our state or go for that dream company that's somewhere else or maybe even another country or whatever? Um, the career transition, the way they're they're giving this information, it's antiquated. It's from the '60s, so that needs an overhaul. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I even I threw a post out on Facebook. You know, hey, I'm looking for a GS job, you know, or equivalent. You know, and you get your atypical responses of you know securityclearancejobs.com you get the indeed and stuff like that those are great you know those are like the blanketed you know websites that companies use to china just like throw it out there that you know we're we're about putting it out for everybody you know but if you have a service member getting out that is overqualified you know i talked to uh, chris albright he was on here you know, he gets out from the Marines, you know, did a full uh, career in the Marines, retired, goes back to school, gets, you know, intelligence level uh, degrees, um, you know, and, and builds his resume up even after. And they tell him, you're overqualified. You're too old. You know, at one point or another, are these civilian sector jobs actually going to take it seriously because honestly the majority of veterans are your most valuable asset going into a job force their their leadership skills you know beyond as well is a valuable asset to whatever organization picks up a veteran and i think that a lot of civilian sector jobs need to start realizing that that we're more capable than what's just on paper yeah yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny, Ryan, because honestly, after all this stuff, I ended up inventing my own job. And that's the that's the most surreal thing ever. And, and you know, not everyone can be lucky enough to do this, but I was able to. And it, it just, entrepreneurship is something veterans should think about if, if they have certain, you know, characteristics, if they want to be their own boss, if they can tolerate a little bit of risk and they can realize that the first couple of years are going to be a living hell. Uh, completely unpredictable, and they're probably going to fall on their face a few times. But honestly, man, um, I can't ever imagine going back to an office. I can't. I can't ever imagine like having a boss outside of my clients. Uh, and I'm very, I'm very grateful, and I'm very lucky. But I've also worked really hard to get the results. Um, but you know, veterans have a lot more options than just what's what's given out there. And they're like you said, when people are coming to you and saying, Hey, you're going to be a day shift manager at Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, the hell I am. Um, I'll hold out and I'll, you know, I'll start looking at tech companies. I'll start looking at stuff I'm not qualified for. I'll get on LinkedIn and, you know, start making friends with HR personnel, whatever I got to do. Right. But veterans need to hold themselves to a higher standard. First of all, uh, I'm not saying you have to have your dream perfect job before you get out, but you should, you should hold yourself to something that is at least, you know, a good starter. 
until you can work your way up to wherever you're trying to go. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think it also, you know, yes, we have to hold ourselves to a higher standard, especially when you're working through uh, different leadership schools and everything else. But you also have to kind of pump the brakes a little bit and not make it as you're cocky. You know, you, you have to have that balance of, you know, yourself, these are your abilities, but don't just expect because you are now a, a veteran, uh, that that job is owed to you. Nobody owes you anything, you know? And I think sometimes, not all the time, sometimes, uh, veterans will get in their head that I'm a veteran, I'm owed this. And it kind of destroys you know, your plan of moving forward because they don't want, you know, they don't want the person that is cocky. They don't want the person that, you know, is thumping their chest. Look at me. They want the person that's confident in their abilities. And you can show that, you know, through your leadership skills and everything else. So I think it's very important that we separate those two and people are self-aware that when they're going for these jobs. That's a great point, Ryan. And entitlement is a very real thing in the veteran world for sure. And so what you can do, um, if you want to be a strong candidate, I mean, let's be honest, I've been hired at almost every interview I've ever gone to. And it's not because I have a PhD. It's because of the way that I presented myself. And so here, here's what I did. And this is any veteran that's listening to this, pay attention. The first thing you want to do, you want to find out who's interviewing you and you want to learn some things about them. So I had this real heavy interview with like four people in a room. Um, I was the only person in a suit, first of all. Uh, shows that I was serious about the job. The other candidates were kind of dressed like business casual, whatever. I was in a full three-piece suit. And then when I came in, uh, they asked me what I knew about the company. And most people kind of just, oh, you guys make lasers or you guys do this or that. I knew the company history. I knew the owner of the company. I knew what their stock price was that morning. And I let them know and their eyes got really wide. They're like, oh, this guy's not messing around. He knows his stuff. And then... Um, I needed examples of my writing. So I brought like some books I'd written, my uh, copies of my magazine, all this stuff. So while they're interviewing me, they're looking through my books and my magazine. So now they're like, oh, this is cool, blah, blah, blah. And now they're getting to see me in action. So I brought some props for them to check out. And then I knew where they all went to college. So I was asking them questions about their own experiences and how college like related to the current job. I was asking the interviewers like, hey, what's, a, what's something you, you've a real problem you've solved since you've worked here? Like what's a real challenge that, that they've thrown at you that you were able to overcome? And I'm asking them these questions so that I'm personable and I'm likable. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not just sitting there answering questions and being boring because you never want to be boring. So, you, so my summary, look right. sharp, like dress to your body. Okay. Um, you don't want a suit that's too tight. You don't want a suit that's too loose. You want a suit that if you're a man, uh, that is fitted to your body type. Uh, get a haircut and, you know, be clean shaven. Don't walk in there with the vet beard down, down in your freaking stomach. You're not Duck Dynasty. Um, be able to make a reasonable conversation <laughs> and with good body language. Look people in the eye. Shake their hand firmly. Use their name when you're speaking to them and be sure and ask them questions. People like two-way conversations. If you don't know something, don't try and fudge an answer. Just say, oh, I don't know or I can find out for you. 
but don't try and ever lie about anything like a discrepancy in your resume or, you know, you're missing some information or whatever. Just do the best you can. But the point is these small things add up. Yeah. HR people interview hundreds of, of, of candidates and only a few of them are going to stand out in their mind. The person that makes them feel good, has good energy when they're talking to them, is the one that's going to get the job. Right. Yeah. So don't interview like stepbrothers, <laughs> but interview, you know, <laughs> as yourself, you know, <laughs> that, thought, that thought went into my mind when you said, like, I started interviewing them. I'm like, huh. He's like, let me ask you a question now. <laughs> Interview, interviewing the interviewer, you know. Um, yeah, I think it's a good point. I think that. Yeah, I think it's a good point. You know, obviously you get out of the military. The first thing everybody's talking about is I'm sh I'm not shaving, you know, because you shave every single day. You know, right. I'm growing my hair out, whatever. I never really got into that that kind of fad or whatever. Yeah, I, I let my hair go a little bit longer, you know, versus the high and tight, you know, military traditional cut all the time, you know. But at the same time, you know, there's times where, you know, as a realtor, I throw on a suit, I go show a house, you know, and your first impression that you leave on somebody sometimes is going to make or break if they want to work with you. And I think that's the point you're trying to make is that make your first impression, the best impression you can, because you may not get a second shot. Yeah. It's like a date and correct me if I'm wrong, but that's pretty much what I'm gathering. Yeah. 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 So I, I think it's a very good point, you know, value yourself, be yourself, and be the best version of yourself for that interview when it comes up. Yeah, now, absolutely. Rob, you got a magazine, Shift Magazine. Mm -hmm. You got Shift Magazine. All right. Go dive into Shift Magazine a little bit because, one, I mean, it's pretty awesome. You know, I, I enjoy it, you know, and Everlasting Veteran was thrown on the front cover there. And you work with some great people. What got you into you know, coming up with the magazine and what, what's the magazine mean to you uh, with your business and working with veterans and everything else? So shift was an idea I had about six years ago. And I said, what if Tim Ferriss made a magazine? And I, I thought, what if I made an intellectual magazine that broke down the processes of high performers and they don't have to be veterans. So it's not a veteran magazine, but it is a veteran centric magazine. A lot of the stories are about vets, just, just my life. Um, so I, I interview high end people and I try and figure out, okay, how did you get so good at this? What do you do differently? What habits do you have? What rituals did you create? Like, what are, what are some things you know about that other people don't? And I managed to understand, Ryan, I started this with almost zero experience. Like I, I never, like, I, I'd worked on a friend's magazine, like very, very briefly, but I never got into the, the actual nuances of creation. It was just more maintenance, but so I, I started this from nothing, and the first two issues I completely created on my own, even the cover, and they're god-awful, and they're a great reminder of why we hire experts. Um, but right out the gate, I interviewed uh, the late <laughs> Howard Wasden, who um, fought in Mogadishu, Navy SEAL uh, team, uh, SEAL team 6 sniper, who has a book out. I, he gave me a great interview. Um, he recently passed away in like a plane crash or something crazy. Uh, but that was my second issue. And I was like, okay, that was the moment when I believed in it. Mm. And I was like, holy shit, this has teeth like this. I can actually do this. Right. I can reach out to people and not be laughed out of the room. Um, 
I interviewed a few more people, and then I scored Mike Michalowicz, uh, who is a New York Times bestselling author, and he's he's pretty famous. He's written a lot of great books about business, Pumpkin Plan, Profit First. Um, and I, God, the cover still just makes me want to throw coffee in my own face. Um, but after that, we brought on an Air Force guy named Rich Hill, and he started doing my, my covers, and he is, God bless Rich, he's worth every penny. Um so once he came on with his own design and his own graphic graphic uh, style, shift changed, and so I had to catch up with the layouts and make them better. So yeah, it, it was. So shift shifted. Yeah, and that's why I named it shift is because we all have the ability to shift into a better version of ourselves. And the whole magazine is called Shift Advanced Life Design because we can create whatever life we want. I created a magazine from air and taught myself how to do it, and it's grown. It's become amazing. I've interviewed Brett. I've featured you in there. I've, I've interviewed uh, Mar the new issues, Marshall Terran. Um, and it's been, it's been an incredible experience and it pairs with what I do for clients as well in the, in the visibility side of the house. And it, uh, dude, I've interviewed like Scott Oldford, Steve Sims, like some pretty big names. And it's been, um, it, it's been incredible the doors that it's opened up. But for anybody listening that has a project that they want to do and they're kind of nervous about it or like, Hey, what do people think or anything like that? Go for it. Who gives a shit? People are, people are going to criticize you no matter what for waking up today. If you're nervous about it or you're like, Hey, um, I don't know what's going to happen or this is going to flop or whatever, put it out there. Who cares? Shift was, you know, it wasn't a great looking magazine for like three, four, five issues. But then once I got the ball rolling and I figured out like the scheduling and everything, and it just constantly improved. You'll have a great product after a while. Sometimes it takes a few iterations. So I'm just saying, I, I created this from nothing. So go for it. You know, whatever it is you want to do, you want to start a podcast, you want to write a book, you want to throw a speaking event, whatever, do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good point because I think a lot of people have to understand if you, if you put something out there that's never been introduced to anybody before and you're so comfortable that it's going to succeed, then it's going to fail. I think the nerves and the anxiety of putting stuff out there for people to view and getting your name out there, your product, if you don't have the anxiety and the nerves and, you know, that little feeling of like, I wanted to succeed, but I don't know if it's going to, that means that you're not doing it right because every single, every single step you take in business, if you have some type of nerves going on with it. It means that you care. It means that you have feelings behind it to make it want to succeed because you, you have to show yourself and show yourself to people for them to actually be able to know you exist. You know, you can't just, you know, go to a swap or go to a local event and expect it to, you know, catapult to, you know, where it actually could be if you put yourself out there, you know, and, I think that's like the great thing that we working with you. I had those nerves, you know, and we hadn't even met face to face uh, until last month. And I had all these nerves going on of, I want this to, you know, be successful, but at the same time, in different aspects of success of helping veterans, you know, it's therapy for myself as well. Helps me as a businessman. Um, also helps me as an entrepreneur grow, you know, as a person. And in order to do that, I have to be vulnerable, make myself vulnerable and put myself out there. And I did that 
working with you and the sky's the limit now, you know, and it's however much effort I want to put into it. And we want to work together to make it go to the next level. And anybody that's listening or watching this needs to understand if you want to get to the next level, especially in a veteran entrepreneur world, Rob, the warrior strategist, Rob Garcia is the guy to work with. I'm going to hands down, put it out there because the amount of respect I have for this man, the network he has created is unparalleled. Um, He has made connections with people over his time. That is a strategic business plan to make you a better person, a better business owner and bring you to the next level. And I wholeheartedly believe that. And, Anybody that's listening, you can check him out and check his socials out. You got to get a like a, a good like website up too. It's it's being worked on this week, and, and thank you, Ryan, for the kind words. I really do appreciate that. I know it's heartfelt. I know you're not you know fake or duplicitous. Like you, you're saying that because you truly yeah, I'm, thousand percent I'm believe in what I do. Because you're you're a real serious dude at times. <laughs> but you're you're very strong in your convictions. I, I so that, that means a lot. It, you, yeah. Yeah, even uh, even when I had the interview with Brett Davis, you're like, that's the first time I've seen you smile. I'm like, yeah, well, a lot of times, you know, I hold stuff, my emotions close to my chest, you know, because, you know, the nerves sometimes get the best of you, you know, and, and I'm very good at my world and what I do, you know, and if if I put my goals out there and, and I fail, then everybody knows what my goals were and then they can go, hey, you didn't reach it. You know, I'm comfortable with knowing it myself, but not letting anybody else know it, you know? So a lot of times, you know, I keep my emotions close to my chest for many, many different reasons. Um, But when it comes to business, people have to understand too, business is business, you know, business deals are business deals. That's once you're done with those deals, you know, and like when we had, uh, we had some lunch and stuff when I was out in San Diego, you know, that's the time to, you know, kind of kind of relax a little bit, you know, and we had like a little mastermind meeting with uh, the owner of Rock and Frenchies, one of the sponsors for Everlasting Veteran. And, you know, when you sit down, business is business, you know, and you got to separate the two because if you're just business all the time, you know, then you're not going to be able to enjoy life. And I, I think people have to understand that as well, especially getting into entrepreneurship, you know. That was that was hilarious. Um First of all, you you cooked me one of the greatest meals I've ever had. So so Ryan made these crazy like ribeyes and corn on the cob and and this stuff, and I I ate myself silly. And then he takes me up on the roof like Mike, Michael Corleone, and we're sitting up there on the top of, of this uh, awesome townhome in, in Mission Bay. There's like freaking fireworks going off from SeaWorld, and we're just sitting there with the, the owner of Rock and Frenchies. Um, just a, an amazing night, and uh, it was good to have that that rapport and that um, that bonding time. Besides just you know talking over Zoom or Messenger or whatever, and, and I feel like more people need to focus on communication um, better. And, and if you can meet in person, you know it's always a, a great thing because you get a better feel for people with body language and such. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Zoom is great, but the you know I think a lot of people kind of got stuck into it with you know, the pandemic, you know, they got a lot of, a lot of people got jobs during the pandemic, you know, working remotely and, you know, social media and all that kind of stuff kind of blew up and the interpersonal skills that go into business, you know, I think 
you, you have to get back to that sometimes, you know, because I'm a very personal person when I, when I'm able to be in person, uh, with somebody and talk with them and, you know, everything else, even even if it's business or it's personal, you know, I, I can separate the two, but your conversation that you have in person, the body language that, you know, everything else you're feeling out, it's different than hiding behind a camera, you know, or hiding behind, you know, a computer. Um, and I think it's very important when it comes to business and even phone conversations, you know, I'm, I'm on, I was still in, uh, California and, uh, I made a connection with Will street design out in Nebraska, who's doing all these great mugs, you know, for everlasting veteran. Um, they're going to be available yeah, for sure. sale soon. Veteran owned and operated company. I mean, yeah, I made the connection. I'm out. Let me tell you the, the trip to California. Uh, I made more connections via phone call while I'm on vacation. My wife's going, can you get off the phone? Can you get, you know, and I'm, I'm just enjoying it because I'm able, I'm able to make great connections with great veterans. Um, and, at the same time, like if it's not veteran owned, uh, I'm working with local, local businesses, supporting local businesses that support veterans, you know? So that's one thing that I want to make sure that people are clear on is I'm vetting these businesses. If I'm partnering with them to make a product for everlasting veteran one, I'm not going with somebody else to do my laser engraved cups. All right. Willow street design is the company that's going to do that for me. I'm not going with anybody else. I am a faithful person when it comes to that because I believe that those business partnerships are invaluable. You can't put a price tag on that, you know, and the same thing when um, I have like rock and Frenchies and sky hunter outfitters, you know, Brandy Rector down in Idabel, Oklahoma, if people started following her social media, some of the big things that she's doing for the community down there, you know, they would see why I'm so grateful to have her as a sponsor, especially from the beginning, you know, she goes far beyond just a hog hunting, uh, helicopter company, you know, with uh separate as well. And they do separate fly. They do the, uh, helicopter tours, the community, uh, outreach that she does is worldly, you know, and, more people need to talk about it. And I think that's why one of the reasons I started the podcast to be able to bring those people on, give them the visibility they deserve because they've been working hard behind the scenes, getting companies up and running, working with their communities. And it's a very important aspect of, you know, being a veteran and working with veterans or supporting veterans is hearing their stories about their transition, good, bad, or indifferent, and how hard they push to get to where they're at, because you got to give credit where credit's due, you know, and it's the same thing with you, Rob, you know, the, when we had that deep conversation up on the rooftop, you know, and I was Michael Colleon, you know, La Cosa Nostra, bring you into my family, eat my food, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. It's up on the rooftop. You do business or you fall off. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think it's very important that <laughs> I think it's very important, you know, that you you build those connections and you, you show people the respect uh, they deserve from the hard work that they've put in, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think I think you and I do a great job of telling people stories. That's what we are, Ryan, in just two different mediums, me with a magazine, you with a podcast. But 
we, we take somebody, we find an amazing story, and then we put it out there for the world to see. And I, I love that component of it. I really do love people. Um, you know, I'm notoriously introverted. Um, I, I live alone. I kind of keep to myself a lot. But that is one thing I absolutely will do is find somebody with a great story like Brandy or like all the people in our network um, that we work together with. And I, I will tell the world about them and whatever they're working on. Cause sometimes that's what people need. You know, I, I with Ted Fox, uh, the, the Marine that's fixing classic cars in Texas. I mean, my God, um, I, I, I tweeted at general motors and they saw it and they called him and he's working on a distribution deal. Uh, and, and it's just, it's insane, dude. Um, and that's what more people need. I think is when is, yeah. is people like you and me getting out there and because not everyone knows how to get their story out without being self-serving, excuse me, without being self-serving. And so it's good that um, you and I are out there like, hey, this is what they're doing. It's awesome. And being their fans and their supporters, it's good for the self-esteem, too. We all need some of that in business. Yeah. Yeah. And it really comes down to it basically breaks down to everlasting veteran is the vessel for all veterans to be able to get that message out. You know, it's, it's great that I'm able to, to do this and, you know, talk with you and other veterans, but it is really, you know, a vessel for all veterans and you do the same thing with your visibility and we work hand in hand really, really well. And plus I'm on the East coast, you're on the West coast. So now we've locked in We're we've locked in both sides of the United States and we're going to just slowly work our way in, you know, um, it's really one of those things people don't think about when they're starting their companies is visibility, you know, and visibility. And I was talking to somebody about it the other day. They have a great idea. And I said to them, how are you going to, how are you going to let people know in Ohio that you have this product? Well, I don't know. Right. You got to think about big picture when you start from the beginning, don't think about it as a hobby. Don't think if you really are truly trying to start a business, and this is a big key thing for anybody that wants to be an entrepreneur and start a business or a podcast or anything else. Most of the time, hobbyists, they get into it because it's fun. You know, they're doing it with their friends or whatever the case may be. And then they go, huh, maybe I can make some money. Well, you already failed because from the beginning, if you don't structure anything that you do as a business, all right, whether it's a nonprofit or for profit, you have to structure it from the beginning as a business because the time comes, you can't just flip the script that easy, you know, and say, now I'm a business, you know, because however your followers, you know, come along with you, you have to be upfront from the beginning and you'll lose people. If you go from hobbyist to I'm a business, I want to get paid now, you know, you'll start losing people because honestly, you know, they don't see it as well as somebody that structured it very well from the beginning. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Rob. Well, if somebody, if somebody approaches it with, Hey, I can make some money out of this. They've already failed in, in my eyes because Ultimately, what we are, if, if you're coming from business from a real sincere place, you're solving problems for people. So when I wake up in the morning, I don't ever say like, oh, I hope I make a lot of money today. I wake up and I say, how can I better <laughs> solve somebody's problems? How can I make their life better? How can I you know, apply some hours of my time and my zone of genius and change somebody's life, get them on TV or write a viral article or whatever to make an impact? And then... The cash flow, the money, is just me being compensated for how good I am. 
and the, the, the amount of results I get. And that's the way I look at it. If you want to get money, go be an investment banker. Don't start, don't enter the entrepreneurial dojo and, and just expect that, you know, it's all unicorn and glitter and, and rainbows as soon as you start and everybody's going to buy from you. And, you know, you're Gary V overnight. It, it, that's, that's not how it happens. A lot of people fail because they don't have the right um, mindset and the right concept. Like something you did right out the gate that I really admired. And I always tell you, you invested in your business, you invested in equipment, you got, you, you got a setup and a schedule and you got stuff done. You didn't tell me, Hey Rob, I'm thinking about starting a podcast in a couple months or, you know, sometime near future. And I would say, no, you're not. Cause you, if you were serious about it, you would have done it already and, and you would have had some episodes out and that's exactly what you did. Right. And that's what everyone needs to do. They need to understand this is not a hobby. This isn't something you check in on once in a while and only do it when it's fun. It's going to take an ungodly amount of hours, no matter how smart you are. Okay. I have a PhD and I'm still figuring out the PR and visibility game. And that's fine. My, my, my real talent is from the experience and cause and effect and learning what's working and what's not. Um, so people need to, before they get into entrepreneurship or owning a business, they need to really understand, Hey, do I know the difference between my branding, my marketing, and my visibility because they are three different worlds, baby. And they can't, they, they, they intersect sometimes, but if you can't tell me those three and what you plan on doing about them, then you're, you're going to have a very hard time making sales. All right. Yeah. And I, I think it's uh, very important as well. The, the aspect I, I run into this time to time again is if the people you surround yourself all right, are only there when it's successful and they want to attach to you when they see some type of success and they're looking at you of what, what can I get out of it? Then they're not the right business partner for you. They're not the right, you know, and when I say business partner, I'm not meaning you have to give them a piece of your company. It's somebody that you work with. You know, people have to understand that is whoever you work with, if they're there to, you know, truly be there for you, uh, all the time, then, you know, they're, they're the ones that are going to help you out. You know, they're going to help you in your lows. They're going to help you in your highs and they're going to be there for you, you know, all the time because they truly believe in you and what you've created. Now, the people that come, come and go. And I talked to, um, uh, big country about this, Brian Conwell, and he runs in, into it a lot is there's sometimes people will attach themselves to him because, you know, they get some good feel thing and they want to, you know, kind of make something of themselves as well by attaching them to him. And then they disappear, you know, when they realize that they're going to have to put in the work themselves. They think that, you know, by attaching them, their name to him, that they're going to be able to make some something successful. And that's not the case. You, when you're an entrepreneur for yourself, you have to do the work yourself. You can't rely on other people to do it for you. And I think that's the clear message is if it, you're starting it, it's your company. You have to put the work in and not rely on anybody else to be able to do the work. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you absolutely need to have a, a business model in your head that you can grow towards. You need to figure out somebody you can emulate. I'm not saying copy, but I'm saying like, what direction do you want to go in? You know, are you more like this or are you more like that? You know, are you, you know, what, where are you going to be in a year? Like, do you have a plan for growth and scale or are you just, and most people that start businesses in the first year, 
They're just thinking day to day or, hey, how can I get through the week or how can I get through the month and pay rent, whatever. They're, they're, they're not really aggressively thinking about, okay, how do I get this company to 50000 a year and then 100000 and then when do I buy some employees and when do I you know, uh, revamp the website and how do I make more expensive services and, and blah, blah, blah. The point is you have to have growth. You have to have scale. Otherwise, you're going to have a very slow growing business that will really won't be that much fun to work at. The reason that my business has gotten fun is because I, mm. I, I implement things that make it interesting. And I, I try out new services and I, I create packages that are creative and create value for my clients. And, you know, um, I was able to get you placed on the news. And first time in my career, they ran a double segment, which is crazy. And you made this amazing relationship with this uh, news producer who was super cool. But I'm telling you, man, it took like 30 pitches before that happened. And I'm willing to do that work. But that's, you know, that's what visibility is. People don't understand yeah. like, hey, Rob got somebody on the news. But Rob also has sent probably 120 pitches um, to get there. And, and that's, that's my job is to get better at it and to figure out how to contact reporters and writing better pitches and all this stuff. That's part of the process, man, because the winds are sweet. When I get that screenshot and you're in your patrol car and you got a camera in your face, <laughs> that's amazing. And, and I was just, I was excited yeah. for you, man. It's a great feeling. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was good. It was it was good because, you know, it also allowed me to shed the light on uh, veterans rally point and what they're doing for veterans in the community as well. And that's the big thing for me is is also putting the spotlight not on me, you know, putting it on these organizations that people may not even know exist. I, I tell you, I work in the I work in the city um, that the veterans rally points at and I was born and raised in the area. And they kind of started up right around the pandemic. So it was kind of a soft opening for them. Um, and it didn't take off the way it really should have because of COVID, you know, so it was really getting, you know, that out there that this exists, you know, and that's all, that's what visibility is. You know, people need to know this exists or you exist. Um, and that's, that's your specialty and you do a great job at it. Um, and you know, you also have your, your magazine, you work with Brett Davis and IQ media, uh, and IQ podcasts and stuff. And, you know, you, you've really found your name niche for you and other veterans can do that it's just a matter of connecting with people that you know are in different genres of work and finding out what fits for you and really kind of thinking outside the box of okay this is my qualifications this is what i'm applying for well, you may have all these qualifications that's a good fit for that one job or five jobs or whatever but your abilities are far past that and veterans need to realize like if you put yourself out there and you you think outside the box you may be able to find a job you never even thought you would be doing i never thought in a million years that i would start a podcast right i never thought about it it never came to mind you know i never listened the funny thing is i never listened to podcasts and i started a podcast <laughs> let that let that sink in a little bit you know it's like all right how am i going to get this information out you know, I, I'm going to use it as a vessel. You know, I've never uploaded anything to YouTube. When I met you, it was the first time I created a Twitter account, you know, and an Instagram account, you know, and 
you know, all these different social media platforms, you know, I'm, I'm like a dinosaur of MySpace and Facebook, you know, and the world just started kind of opening up more and connections started opening up more, you know, when I put myself out there and other veterans and people, you know, need to do the same thing. The thing that I noticed that you and I both do is we're very good judges of character. And anytime, if somebody comes to me and they're like, hey, Ryan Landry sent me, I know I can trust them. Just like the people that I send to you, you're like, oh shit, this, this person's amazing. They have to have three characteristics. And this was a big thing too, is filtering out my network. Because a lot of people do want to be a part of your world, but they're gonna, some of them just aren't going to have a place at the dinner table for their, own, for their own reasons. And there's three things I look for if I'm going to let somebody in the, you know, the, the circle of trust. They have to be ethical. So this means that they can't be ripping off people or, you know, bad mouthing people all the time or gossiping or just angry, veteran angry, as I like to call it. Um, they have to be hardworking, which means they, they can't just uh, treat their business like a hobby. They, they can't like, you know, just do it like once or twice a week, whatever. And they can't like be in the same place they were three years ago and they have to be reliable. So if I turn to them for something, they're not leaving me hanging on a question for five days. Um, reliability is very important. And as veterans, we are held to a higher standard of reliability. We, if we say something, it's going to get done. We say something, we're going to act on it. We're not going to bed until we've done whatever that thing is. So those three characteristics are what, you know, Eric ranks, Brandy Rector, you know, all these people that we know, um, because we all share those, those values. And so anybody that's in our world has been selected. They're, they're here for a reason. And that's why we have such a great network, man. Yeah. You can't leave Marshall Taren out of that. I mean, Marshall Taren is, is a Marine Corps veteran Marines, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, uh, Marine Corps veteran and great businessman, business sense, you know, and I met up with him when I was down in Florida. You know, one thing I have to say is that everybody's transition's different, right? You have to understand that your transition out of the military is maybe be completely different than the person to your left and your right. And where you land may be completely different as well. Wherever you land and however your transition is, as long as you take the proper steps If you continue moving forward, it's like when you mow your lawn, right? You take a, a point and you, you know, you want to put those nice lines in the grass. You know, you pick a point, you know, all the way across the yard and you start driving, you know, and that's your, that's your goal. That's your end point. You know, the same thing is, you know, you start up a business, you have to write your goals down you know, of where you want to be in a year, where you want to be in five years, you know, and you try to go for those goals and you have to keep it in line. Think there'll be variables that will change along the way, but you have to keep it in line and keep pushing forward. And as long as you're in a forward direction, you're going to succeed. So, 
But uh, yeah, any uh, any words of wisdom that you can bring to people that maybe want to become an entrepreneur and dive into the realm of of being your own boss and starting your own business? Any uh, top three points um, that you can give the listeners? The first thing is to get some type of mentorship whether it's bunker labs whether it's reaching out to somebody like marshall perrin whether it's it's finding somebody that does what you want to do at a very high level but you need somebody that can guide you look at what you're doing and be able to answer your questions so mentorship vertical mentorship is the first thing the second thing is lateral mentorship in the sense build a network okay a network is people that are in the sphere they are there to support you. Um, I started a Facebook group, and it's called Success Odyssey. I, it has like 250 members. They're all hand-selected. And, and I, I started it so that I could have a sounding board with people I think are cool. I don't ever try and sell them anything. I, we just have conversations to support each other. But I did that to create a lateral audience. And then I joined Warrior Council and Vet Tribe so that I could have a vertical uh, mentorship. And the third thing is... Um, I would suggest creating a business plan, a five-year plan. And it's not just a standard like business plan template you get from SBA. Have a five-year plan with income goals, growth, expected expenses, and then how you're going to scale. And then at what point you're going to hire employees or you're going to automate and delegate and understand the difference between tier three, tier two, tier one actions, which means zero to 5,000, 5,000 to 10,000 a month. 10,000 uh, and more a month because when you get to those three milestones in your business, you have, to, you have to expand, you have to hire people, and you have to automate and delegate. So these are all important things. Very good. Very good. I, I appreciate your words of wisdom and uh, coming on the show. And, you know, I just want to reiterate that Everlasting Veteran is sponsored by Sky Hunter Outfitters down in Idabel, Oklahoma, Brandy Rector, former Marine, Door Gunner, Go to sky-hunter.com and book yourself a helicopter hog hunting hunt of a lifetime and rockin frenchies down in myrtle beach south carolina he is a marine corps veteran and he is a dog breeder a veteran dog breeder for over a decade now beautiful dogs sponsoring everlasting veteran and this is ryan landry your host with Rob, the warrior strategist out of San Diego, California. I will be putting his links and socials up on everlastingveteran.com. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you, Rob, for coming on. Thanks, man. Had a great time. When the smoke clears, we're still standing. You stand our ground. You're listening to Everlasting Veteran. Who? <laughs>